0: Hello everybody and welcome to Bitchin' Brew, a podcast about music, life and everything in between. My name is Danny Ranton, I'm your host and I thank you very much for tuning in on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud or Spotify or Acast even. However you're listening, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, thank you very much and welcome aboard. Um, Welcome aboard? God, that just sounds dodgy anyway um, I wanted to start this episode by just saying a huge thank you um, to everyone who has checked out the last couple of episodes of the podcast it's been a pretty epic start to uh, what I'm hoping to be another pivotal year for the podcast um, so if you checked out episode number 34 which had my chat with none other than Raul Reynolds from Enta Shikari, uh, or if you checked out episode 0 of uh, the Bitchin review which is a brand new uh, monthly music review Review show, which I'm going to be doing here, co-hosted uh, by my friend and yours, Mr. Brad Thorne, Then I thank you very much for for checking those out, and, and an extra special thank you to anyone who uh, shared it with their little buddies on on social media, or even the people that kind of you know approached me in person and um, and you know said some kind words about the last uh, couple of podcasts. It's been really, really crazy, crazy way to start the year, but you know, start as I mean to go on, I suppose. Um. Now, this is episode number 35, and my guests for it are Ricky Bates and Toby Robinson. Now, some of you may know those names, uh, depending on, you know, where you are geographically or you know within the scene I suppose in inverted commas um, some of you may not know who they are so to give them a little introduction uh, Ricky and Toby are two of the top promoters at the joiners in Southampton which as you may well know is my favourite venue on the planet. We've recorded many episodes of Bitchin Brew there. I've seen many shows there. I've stage dived off their, You know, I've dived off their stage many, many times. As we go on to talk about in this uh, in this little chat, I recorded. Now I should actually um, start it with a with a bit of a caveat. I suppose uh, this uh, chat was actually recorded. Um, around the time actually no it was on the same night that we recorded episode 0 of the bitchin review um so god this is over 2 weeks ago now and the original plan was to put it out in the lead up to independent venue week um which as many of you may know if you are listening to this on the day that I'm putting it out has already been and gone i feel like such a fucking idiot um it's not that i forgot about independent venue week i didn't it's just that life got really really hectic towards the the uh the end of January uh with with me working two jobs at the moment. I mean we won't go too far into that, but um you know it it basically just got really really busy and I just couldn't find the time to sit down and go through the recording and kind of do my OCD editing process. Um which is why I've kind of sat down today and just gone you know what I've listened to the chat it's great. Let's fuck it. Let's put it up as it is as it is with some minor edits now there may be a little bit of um you may have to do a little bit of uh knob twiddling as it were with the volumes um just uh because the uh, acoustics of the room aren't 100% awesome but um, I'm very very appreciative of uh, Ricky and Toby for uh, sitting down with me in their office upstairs at the joiners again as I mentioned a place where we've recorded many episodes of the podcast I've recorded uh, chats up there with uh, Murray from the excerpts um, the episode with Haggard Cat was recorded up in that office um, Sam and Dan from Orchards when they were on the podcast last year they we recorded up there and, um, and we also recorded uh, the chat with uh, jock from puppy um on well not technically in that office but on the roof of the joiners on the smoking area which is which is referenced uh in in this episode um oh actually while i'm on that subject congratulations to puppy for the release of their debut album the goat we will be chatting about that on episode one of bitchin review which is coming very 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 soon anyway um yes yeah, so as i mentioned this was recorded before independent venue week and as such there's a lot of chat about it about what it is um you know why it was set up what it's there for um and the all the brilliant things that the joiners were doing around independent venue week. So I do feel super bad that I wasn't able to put this out um beforehand so you could actually get down to the joiners and go and support them during independent venue week. But I've decided to keep the chat as it is because I think Ricky and Toby make a lot of interesting points that don't just apply to Independent Venue Week, they apply uh, you know, the year round. It's so important not to just go out to your venues for the novelty of independent And venue week if you call it if you can call it a novelty that's maybe uh, a little bit of an unfair description of it but you know just making sure that you're getting out to these venues um any time of the year like you know ricky put a brilliant um thing on social media about you know just try and get down there once a week once every couple of weeks i know times are hard everyone's so busy with their own you know personal lives and no one's got any money but you know the the uh, joiners is always such a good vibe, and they always, you know, the the door price is never too demanding uh, to go down to a gig there, and who knows, you could go and see the next band who, in a few years' time, will be filling stadiums. I know that's certainly been the case with some of the artists they've had on the Joiners stage before. Um, so yeah, I managed to get down to the Joiners for Independent Menu Week once. I went to go and see uh, my good pals, pals of the podcast and pals in real life, I suppose, uh, in Milk Teeth. It was the first time seeing him with uh, M Foster as part of the lineup now, who has also been on the podcast with her other bands, Nervous and Funeral Shakes. Um, I was so excited to see him as this new lineup as a three piece, um, and I'm going to leave it at that because I think I'm going to be talking about it a little more in depth on episode one of the Bitchin' Review, as I said, coming very soon indeed. Um, I feel like I'm waffling a bit, so I should maybe just crack on with the chat. I'm going to make a cup of tea, maybe toast a couple of crumpies. And I'm just looking around the room here and I'm seeing a little sort of dwindling box of Quality Street still sort of sat on the bookshelf. It's got the last few, like the shit chocolates that no one actually wants, like the coconut ones. Oh, I, uh, you know, I personally don't mind coconut. I'm going to probably eat those. I think there's a couple of orange creams left in there, but no one fucking eats the Toffee Pennies anymore, do they? No, they're just an absolute waste of space in the Quality Street tub. Um, tweet me what is your least favorite uh quality street chocolate because i feel like we talk about what our favorite quality street chocolate is uh tell me what your least favorite quality street is and if any of you say the green triangle you can all fuck off um but yeah, let me know at Bitchin' Brewcast. Um, I don't have a clever hashtag to, for you to uh, hit me up with for this one, but just at Bitchin' Brewcast on Twitter. Let me know your least favourite quality street chocolate. While you think about that, let's dive into Bitchin' Brew episode number 35. And here is my chat with Ricky Bates and Toby Robinson from the joiners in Southampton. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I once played a pirate. That was a good day. Did you get injured? No, they did say they had like a big issue because I jumped around stage about the pyros like, and me running into the pyros or me running into the,
2: off the stage. My favourite pyro injury is when Marilyn Manson got crushed by a giant penis or whatever it was.
0: <laughs> I think it was a gun, mate. Was it a gun? Yeah, it wasn't I a I it was like a giant dildo. I was, like, <laughs> <about that?">
2: but, <laughs> in, was
0: it during a Rammstein show? In oh. your dreams. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I would say... Probably, I'm gonna hold it slightly closer there, but if you just want to talk a little bit louder, yeah. so you're kind of yeah. on the same level. I, of, I know I'm
1: quite loud, but. Um, I can talk louder, I just try and talk quieter and deeper, because I sound like a bit of a weirdo when I talk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Alan's Deep Bath. <laughs> Deep Cuts. Bitch and Brew After Dark. That's a. That, Bitch and Brew After Dark was created out on the. Uh, I don't know what you would call it, out on the terrace, out on the... Ba- it's not a balcony, is it? Smoking it's been, area. The smoking it's, area. Yeah,
2: we installed that because Americans were coming in and fogging out the room with weed. Ah. Um, so I was like, I mean, as much as I love weed, it's not good for the venue to have weed everywhere. Right, okay. Yeah, everybody doesn't want to inhale weed sometimes when they're trying to work. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't imagine being
1: here when you could smoke in venues. Like, how horrible it would be, how horrible and sweaty it is anyway.
2: But then, with people just smoking inside, There awesome. was always downstairs when it was smoking inside. Okay, so you are never up it. here.
0: Yeah. Mm. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember. Uh, I've, I, I I've was, never been
1: to a gig where you've been allowed to smoke
0: it. No, podcast. I don't think I have either, to be honest. I think by the time I was going to gigs, it was, smoking ban was. No, firmly would, in place at that point. I used point. to go
2: all the time. Got covered in people smoke. We used to be able to smoke in the Astoria all the time. Was when you could smoke on the trains as well. So we'd buy um, like Rocky because we couldn't afford actual weed. So it's just like resin and you just burn it and then you could there would used to be a cage in the middle of the, the train where you could, because you could open the window still. Okay. And you could just go and smoke weed in the middle of the cage. And the cage used to be just solely for luggage. And when they updated the trains in like 2005, I reckon. Okay. They got rid of the cage, so you couldn't smoke weed or smoke anything. So Rocky it.
0: was it basically like a legal hide?
2: Yeah, it's just like, um, it's not a legal high, no. It's pig resin, it's like the brown stuff. Oh, okay. You know, you burn it off and crumble it. Yeah. It's like cheaper, it's half the price of weed, basically. Oh, but okay. But when you're a 15-year-old traveling towards Pennywise, in London, he can't afford <laughs> to buy a cool grade, you know,
0: yeah. green. the real stuff. Mm. The good stuff. Yeah. I, when, he, when you said Rocky, I thought you meant like Rocky bars. And I was like, <laughs> how's he trying to smoke a Rocky bar?
3: <laughs>
2: the caramel ones. It's a weird like, time.
0: Have you done that thing where you bite off like opposite corners of a Rocky bar and dunk it into your tea. I've never done that. Uh, no, well, Toby, you you don't drink hot drinks, no, and you know,
2: you know I, I'm surprised you do like, that the th- crunchy. That's the one. Crunchy, you really? Like off the end of the crunchy and then you suck it
0: through. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean with the rocky, and, mm. and then you just got like soft, but not soft. I nearly yeah, said I could, soggy could, biscuit, <laughs> but. <laughs> I could I could do it with like
1: orange juice. That might work. Yeah. That'd be grim, mate. Although,
0: did you ever used to dunk? rich tea biscuits in your orange squash
2: no 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 when i used to eat at mcdonald's when i was a nipper i used to have the chips and the ice cream together
0: yeah 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 mm. but i think people still i still do that for sure oh. i definitely still dip my chips in the banana milkshake because banana
2: is the best i
1: hate banana milkshake literally it's like banana
2: milkshake at mcdonald's tastes like chocolate milkshake though do you not find that? It's because it all comes out the same like, yeah. tune that, that you always end It's up strawberry one. It's cross-contamination. Yeah. Like... Tastes like chocolate and banana. That's why like the whole it. vegan thing's not going to work in McDonald's. Because the people who work there is if they give a shit about cross-contamination. <laughs> like, they just won't care. Like, they won't do it, yeah. Right, no, 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 it won't happen. Like, they're, they're just working there because they're like 15 and need a job. Yeah, they don't no. give a shit. You're not going to, like, uphold ethics. To
0: to be fair, I'm working in the bar at the moment, and I did indulge in a bit of cross contamination out of not being asked yesterday, Mm. where I used the same 25 mil measure to pour a shot of Mediterranean gin and then a shot of black pepper gin. That's cross contamination for you. If anyone from your work listens to this podcast, you're sacked. I'm fucked.
1: Yeah. 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 It's not. You're on. (laughs)
0: <laughs> time stamp it cut it alcohol
2: sterile anyway so it doesn't matter yeah it's like pissing into a 25ml thing and someone complaining about it and me going look mate piss is sterile what's it popping? that's you know, gonna come yeah, out really well sir. with a mouthful what sir, is, um, even is
0: that is that it's a pe- vegan peanut bar you've got all the snacks today I've eaten them now I think I'm out are you fresh out of snacks Can you
1: know got
0: the onion rings you normally have onion rings no I, sure I don't know. onion rings is in like hot actual breaded no, onion no, rings or no, no. like the crisps? No, the crisps oh man no totally inferior to the actual those, those onion rings those are ring. also
2: vegan the what? onion ring crisps
0: are they mm. are
1: normal just onion rings not vegan probably not at most restaurants because again they cross contamination the batter on onion rings yeah. isn't
2: vegan oh really
0: well, it's made of egg a lot right? oh yeah shit I mean I don't <laughs> care because yeah I, I, I eat meat so,
2: yeah, yeah. I eat meat too, but I eat vegan also. Yeah. I'm vegetarian, but I just don't feel the need to label myself. <laughs> I mean, I call myself a flexi-sexitarian. That's my.
0: Flexi-sexitarian. Mm. I like
2: that. Yeah, because so my diet's pretty really sexy. I, I call him Flexi. Ricky. You yes. call
0: him Ricky. Everyone calls him Ricky. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, that- very few people actually call me Ricky, right? I think I have, I have an, two I have amount names. of nicknames from people. Go on. Um, I don't know any of your yeah, nicknames. People just call me Bates or they just call me Wu as well because they found out that I was one quarter Chinese from my family heritage. Oh, really? My old friends in Dover had all sorts of fucking stupid names, but we're not going into that. That's not what we're here for. I
0: think everyone just calls you Ricky Bates. Yeah, um, I'm like
2: a one-name, two-name person. Yeah. Yeah, I explained that to people when I first met, meet them. Especially if they're Australian. They it ju- sounds better. Yeah. Alright, right, right mate. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I met you rick quite a lot. Mm, I Anyone I need something. something? Well, Robert just says Rick. Ha are you fed up of um of rick hey! uh, uh, yeah. I don't even acknowledge that anymore. No. So if people do that, people tend to do that when you first meet them and they don't know you. I.e. me. Like, I was in a bar the other day. And um Me and Will started going to this bar called The Smugglers, but it's now called The Smugglers Cove because we got really drunk and um I start, I made a song in the tune of Chocolate Rain and I was really drunk and just singing into the glass going Smugglers Cove, place where dreams are going to that now. Or whatever. And so it's like, an opus, I can see it. Like. So we would just do like a, we would then go to the next person, like Fisher would be there and he would go to him and then it would go to Will and then it would go back to me and I'd go, Smuggler's cool. And then they would have to say something about the bar. Right. Like, in relative context. But there's a, there's a guy who acts in there who's a chef and he's like a lad and he's always on Tinder when we're in there. And um, he tried to say some stupid shit to me and I just didn't acknowledge it and I just looked the other way. <laughs> that's point. what I do, people say stupid stuff. I just won't acknowledge it. So if they say like Ricky I just will just walk like, What about Ricky What
0: about Ricky the Dragon Steamboat?
2: I like him though. Like, yeah. I had the wrestling figure of him. Did you? Mm. And I like genied him so I put a lighter up his ass. Cause you know he used to um blow fire. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah. So I put a lighter in the toy like Oh that's sick. Mm. I feel like it didn't look as sick as your picture. It doesn't. You know? It just melts it because it's plastic. It's yeah. A fucking stupid idea. We were
0: trying to figure out the wrestler that you were referring to earlier with the overalls I, around I cannot remember. 2006, I it was, uh, 2007. It yeah. can't
1: have been Hillbilly Jim. No, mm. it definitely wasn't. It was definitely a Hillbilly.
2: I think he had a brother as well. Oh, you're on about the the dudes that walk with the torch. Oh, look, the Wyatt family. The Wyatt family, yeah. Is that you're okay. Right. You're on about the tall dudes with, like... Eric
0: Rowan. Yeah. Is he, was he, like, bald with the ginger beard?
2: I remember him. I can't remember. No, there was a guy with black hair who wore the overalls. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, exactly what? Right. Uh, the dungarees.
0: Luke Harper. I can't remember his if name. I could, yeah.
1: If I could go back and play like WWE 2006 on the PlayStation 2, I don't mm. know exactly who it was.
0: Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> 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 that's uh, how we deal with brands <laughs> <laughs> this no. is a this is a behind-the-scenes look into the I don't know what to do professional so just atmosphere just of the no it's cool you can take the call if you want and we'll cut it now oh. <laughs>
2: Thanks, bye-bye. So, this is the questions that we get. Sort of calls we get at the menu. What time's the band on?
0: Well, that was something that was brought up on Twitter recently by by Slaves. A band I don't really have much time for, now that causes honest, a lot of
2: controversy. I saw that. How do you
0: feel about that whole thing? Because, basically, their argument was, don't post stage times. I don't think, I don't think the, uh, the,
2: the retort is to get on your Marvel high horse and go, what about disabled people and blah, because... People just say that to be a dick as a response mm-hmm. because we have a lot of with people that come through here and if they phone or if they message us we'll tell them because that's an ex- it's a, it's a different circumstance. Yeah. And a venue would tell them, if it's a person with a carer or whatever the situation is, if you're just not like a normal person. I think what they were referencing is that people who purposely go late just to see the headline and yeah. actually, they just obviously didn't tweet it in that context. And everyone's taking it, it out of context mm. just to attack them as Twitter is. just yeah. a big minefield of negativity and turning molehills into fucking mountains. Like, yeah. I, I think it's silly. I honestly don't think, I'm not even joking, there's a lot of bands, that bigger bands that we work with who ask us not to post the stage times because they want, people to come and see their friends bands because mm. they, they don't tour with random ass people yeah. but they, they, they fight with their management and agents to get the bands on that they love right that they think people would want to see so they have every right to be like well we're not going to tell you what time we are on just turn you know when the doors are so if you've ever been to a gig before mm. yeah, it's pretty yeah. obvious it's pretty probably. obvious right unless it's London which is a different case because there's a lot of shows like when, when Story played London after us Ours was like a normal time, and they went on at like nine forty-five. And in mm-hmm. London, they played Coco, but doors were at like six. And then this whole show was finished by ten. Oh, like such a fucking whole thing, like them boner
0: kill when that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah.
2: I know it's obviously mode. been like mm-hmm. club loadout and stuff, but it's called disco loadouts is what they call it. But um, it's just annoying because all of these places say that they have to have these club nights to survive, but then I, what I don't get is is the running cost of the venue is still the same and. They make the drinks cheaper, right? So where are they making all this money? And unless you've got a guaranteed like five hundred people coming in, yeah, and spending like I mean it's London so you, have to spend like thirty quid a head to get four beers, probably. Fucking
0: know. hell, yeah. I mean I've I realised I've never actually um, been clubbing in London. I don't think
1: the point. How can it be that much better than anywhere else? Yeah,
0: like, you
2: got emo night here, so why not? I don't. I, I. All the alternative nights are exactly the same. Wherever you go, whether yeah. it's Manchester, South, Park, everyone plays the same forty, fifty songs. So, I. I the emo night like, stuff that's been started in LA and New York has a bit more legit l- legitimacy about it. Yeah. Because they're bringing in the bands that like they're playing, so they have like Jordan from Newfound or Wine from. would like
0: Frank Iero do it, and then yeah, like so uh, James like, like, Dewey's from mm, Gallup Kids and Reggie and, and they'll they the have like, a small,
2: smaller band play like Seaway or something or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah And, then, and that's cool. I like I like that element of it, but. Over here it's so overdone. I remember going to Face Down for someone's birthday at Scarlet like two years ago. I've been to it probably like 10 times and there's just no one there. No. It's just, like the same 200 people that are there. It's just stinky. It's, um, it's not fun because it's a weird environment because the alternative kids that go to all-, all club nights don't really tend to go to shows. Mm. So they're all just poses. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like... Fucking posers. That is what it is. Like,
0: they're probably <laughs> yeah. was Just end the podcast there. <laughs> there we are. That's the sound of <laughs> yeah. a mic drop, in. drop Drop your empty bottle of uh, I don't No, wanna, it might break. I don't want to smash my bottle. No one cleans
1: this up no, yeah. anyway, You can't so. smash
2: the glass in here. We have a no glass rule at the venue. Because, do you remember the band, the D4? The Australian band? Yeah, yeah, I remember they, the D4. They played here. And, um, a punter put a bottle of glass in between the monitors and then he jumped around a lot and he like jumped off his cap and he jumped off the cab and straight through the bottle and the bottle went straight through his foot and like sliced an artery in his foot and it was just like blood pissing out over everyone, Fucking over hell. everything and then got him in a taxi and the, and the taxi driver wouldn't take him to the hospital because he was bleeding so profusely that basically he ended up taking it because otherwise he he's going to lose too much blood. And the the taxi had to be paid to be professionally cleaned and stuff because there was so, like pools of blood in there. They couldn't. Oh shit! Got, so, so from that point, the, the joiners has always had a glass bag. because we don't want anyone stupidly putting a bottle in between monitors. Yeah. Yeah. Or I mean, we have a lot of Larry fucking shows in here. You've seen it. Like imagine, imagine you have like a Mosh show, oh, a hardcore cool. show with glass everywhere. People would just get like people would die. Like, sliced. Yeah. Yeah. People would get It'd be, like the opening scene of Blade One. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Blood coming from the sprinklers yeah. You've got like You've got like drains in the floor And you're exactly. just like yeah. You know Wesley's in the basement With it funnel going like, oh. I watched like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Blade in Spanish On holiday last year um, I don't know if I talked about this um, We just We Got there like in, on the Saturday evening. It was like one of those resort holidays uh, on the Costa Brava in Spain, and we we're just like, uh, you know, the hotel was like pretty mess, or we Like, oh, let's go out and get some, let's get some food, and it was just like the worst Saturday night. There was like the worst night out in Portsmouth possible, like a yeah, Tuesday yeah. night in Portsmouth um, on the on the Guildhall Walk, and we just went to McDonald's, took come McDonald's back to the flat, and watched Blade in Spanish. L L
1: Blade. That's what uh, holidays are all about. Yeah. it was in it tennis, was I watched Top Gun, away for it. In Italian? Yeah. Yeah? No idea what's going on. I love the music. I've, I've never, never seen, watched Top Gun. I've so never seen, so seen the film but <laughs> I listen <laughs> to the song. you ever watched I, listen, music, I know like <laughs> I know all the words to every song. I listen I to it, mean, it in the gym, it's really good gym music. Is it? Really, yeah. So what that's so.
0: what is that highway to the danger zone and danger shit like that. mighty
1: wings, play with the boys, you know? Great songs.
0: Oh, is that the volleyball
1: song? Yeah. Yeah. Playing with the voice. So, <laughs> it's a great So It's an absolute banger. I would walk out to every single show to that song.
0: Well, I I usually go running to, like, wrestling entrance music at the moment, just because I, I know it's stupid, like the volume. It, Are those on
2: Spotify that old... Because they just have those on the CD, like that old entrance. It's like WWF. So there's, the there's a whole, the whole, whole playlist. Every single Yeah, level. yeah. No, they, they basically just put them all up on... On Spotify. Really? Yeah, yeah, Do they have, like, the one that... I had, the, I had a lot of illegal CDs when I was younger because they were really expensive to buy. Mm. Do they have the one where, like, people cover the entrance songs, like, Run DMC? Oh, I don't know about no, that. Yeah. It's called Reckless or something? Oh, that's pretty sick. No,
0: I mean, I just, like... I, I know it's really bad, but, like, the Mrs. entrance music,
2: that mm. I came to play... Re- Reckless and 10. It's thing. No, it's not yeah. that. It's got like a smashed glass on the front of it. Yeah. WWE Forcible Entry.
1: We'll have to find it and make a playlist. Maybe we can do this live and then get people to text in. Yeah. Like,
2: that'd be really so helpful. The, it, so, it, so it, did, it, this, this song, which is Vince McMahon's song, because everybody always assumes, so WWE had this like weird house band guy, and it, everyone assumed that, even me, that when DJ Nation next came out, that it was Rage Against the Machine, did their song. Because the guy sounds like Zach from Radiant's Machine. But, um. This is like bands covering, like, legit, like, entry songs. This is Prince of Man. So, this album. What's it called? Forcible Entry. You probably can't get away with using that now. No. um, We're gonna have to cut this whole segment. (laughs) It's gonna sound like fucking. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> look, look at the bands on it Drowning Pool, Creed, Disturbed, Rob Zombie, Oh, Man. I, I fucking love Rob Zombie and I love Marilyn Manson. Cyber's Hill, Seven Dust, Monster Magnet, Boy Hits Car. Classic. Oh man, total wrestle metal. Oh yeah. Anyway, so what are the questions? <laughs> <laughs> You, what, you, yeah,
0: yeah, you, you came into this on the assumption that I actually had a plan. I was, uh, was, uh, was going to no, say, I didn't I think see you, you had a pass, I, so Yeah, so I mean, relevant. no, it's just um, things I can call Toby throughout the throughout the recording. <laughs> Approved, pre-approved nicknames. For me. To- Toshiana.
1: Yeah, that's okay.
0: That was your Twitter handle recently, Toby. Would you like to
1: explain? I just really like Oceana. I know it's nothing, um, I know it's not like got the personality and the character of an independent music venue such as this to join us however it plays bangers all night and i have a good time there so i've never been to Oceana. it's wonderful it's like it's it's not not that grotty so it's quite nice inside overall i've heard I the complete
0: feel... opposite i've heard no, it's no. absolutely great compared
1: to like if you go to anywhere and like i've been to those like portsmouth clubs oh right okay or, we're gonna start Oceana this before we Oceana has always a bit space normally floor seems relatively clean, the music's good. <laughs> <laughs> I there was a
2: pause between the music and the, the, it's good. It's yes, good.
1: But yeah. Everyone can hear that. Mm. Do they, did they
0: it. do that thing where they do like the Baywatch thing where everyone takes their tops off and starts swinging it over their heads? No, no that's not happened yet. But no? I like that to, used to happen at the club. I, I used to go to Potpoil and that's Portsmouth all Schindler the time. That's show isn't it? That's yeah, that's basically <laughs> it. Right, right. That's the Newport helicopter. Yeah, But to rag a metal instead of the Baywatch theme I'd like to hear Skin Dread do the Newport helicopter
2: while covering the Baywatch theme tune yeah I mean I used to dance to the Bay. they used to play um, the place called Jumping Jacks which was in Oceana, it was in that building and you oh. could literally just go in and do whatever you wanted you could just run across the bar you could dance all over the tables and oh, security cool. would just let you do it and the tables were like three feet off the floor at least they weren't like small tables you yeah. so I once ran across like eight or so tables complete hammered. this is when I was a student and then in hindsight I said this is nuts because it's just like girls in heels just like fucked off their mind on WKDs and i like, straw reefs or whatever and uh they're, <laughs> just, they're just stacking oh, it oh god I haven't seen a backs. reef in eight do they still make reef I don't know I saw they brought back hooch. um did Hooch ever go away? It did, and then it came back as a couple of flavours now, like my friend Trey and Bratton obviously drink those pop drinks. Yeah.
0: yeah. I like a Hooch. Hooch. Mm. Hooch. Hooch. Hooch <laughs> the fucking Hooch. Like. <laughs> well, um, I thought we could possibly start, because there is some sort of structure to, uh, you know, this recording, I suppose. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Independent Venue Week in a bit. Um, I mean, do you first want to talk about.? I, I mean, this isn't going to make sense to anyone who didn't see your Instagram story the other day, but did you end up watching Million Dollar Duck?
2: No. Okay. Basically, I was just. It was the end of my evening, and I was just like, right, I, I'm just finishing Game of Thrones, so I'm one episode away from the end of season seven, <coughs> season eight, wherever the season starts in April. And then I just went into an on-demand hole. Right.
0: Like a, a wormhole. Yeah, like yeah.
2: a wormhole of what's the most ridiculous shit film that they have on Sky On Demand. Yeah. And I ended up going through Disney stuff, but then you don't realise how many films Disney are responsible for or that they've produced in some way or some way. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, there's things like Blank Check. That's a great film where the kid gets his bike run over by a dude and then he signs a check and then he just he gets distracted and he takes it and then he, he writes a million dollars on it and he cashes the cheque for a million bucks and then like buys a mansion, like loads of toys and stuff.
0: Wow, that kid's a dick. Yeah, 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 blank, yeah I, I know. Blank
2: cheque. Um, but yeah, that, that's a great film. But then they obviously came across Million Dollar Duck, but I haven't watched it. It's from 1971. I just don't know. What I mean, it
1: might make for some good Sunday watching or something. I found yeah. one on
2: a, the Virgin Media
1: film thing the other day. Or it's like about a bunch of guys who their mate's gone to Russia for the World Cup and he's been kidnapped and a bunch of f- football hooligans go over to try and save their mate from a That's Russian not the one mafia. with Batista, the is it? it? I've, I've no idea
0: Okay no, I didn't,
1: didn't get that deep into watching B-
0: it. Batista's in a new film about some sort of like ruckus going down at a football stadium I think it was like a Sky Movies thing And
2: Do you remember the time that after um, Elijah Wood Films The Hobbit As the smallest person ever He then tried to make Green Street Mate I fucking love Green Street yeah. Alright so I'm not A football fan well, Football Factory and Green Street Came out around the same time Yeah, yeah. Do I, wh- Which one did you prefer I preferred Football Factory Because it's got Danny Dyer in it And obviously there's like yeah. Have you met Mimi Stanley Which is like the classic Yeah You know Phrase Green Street Because they did a Green Street 2 right Yeah yeah It was in a prison mm. But I, I thought it was a white, it was just it was an, it was was almost like an American version's take on football hooliganism in the UK. Mm. It was very like, I can't remember, was it Millwall, I can't remember. Yeah, um, it was, so it was,
0: was it West Ham against Millwall? Mm. Sort of I, think he, I
2: think he stopped his own career there, because he went from making some of the highest-grossing and biggest films ever, to going straight into make that. He, well, he was in no. Sin
0: City afterwards as well. I'm going to stick up for Elijah in in Wood here. City then no, he, made, he
1: made Wilfred after that. and Wilfred is phenomenal TV. Ooh, that's good, Wilfred. It's really
0: good. I've never seen Wilfred. but
1: Oh, it's about, say, so Elijah mate, There's no an Australian dog. one and a UK one. And it's got the same guy who plays Wilfred in both. In the UK one, it's made, or American one, it's made by Elijah Wood. And he just he has like an injury, and then he starts seeing this dog as a human, but like in a dog costume, and everyone else sees it as a dog. And they just do loads of stupid shit. What the fuck? Like, it gets really weird. Yeah, as as, like, this is a really TV weird. series. Yeah, yeah. That's it's on <laughs> 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 an official
0: Brazzers production. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is a Netflix special. <laughs> 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 um, I, I, I must admit, at the moment, in terms of weird TV, I've been really binging on. Do you guys ever watch Naked Attraction?
1: Oh yeah. I've seen that it's I know what I, it is I fucking
0: love that I show it's just, uh, a bit weird like, it is weird I mean so weird, that, that's how you
1: meet I don't think I don't think anyone can form a relationship from that
0: there's like it's legit science behind you know they do sort of put little sciencey facts about mm. like you know sex and relationships in between shots of dicks you know but um, my girlfriend says I should go on it just for a laugh we're, we're in a long term relationship we've been together nearly six years and she said yeah go on it it'd be funny
2: Watch everyone that laugh
0: you? at you. Then, like it would go, just bottom half of the body is shown first. I get eliminated do they straight do, away. Do they
2: do, what do they do? I can't remember. Is it Are dicks it? out for Harambe <laughs> first? <or laughs> is it, is it her? Uh, so, so uh, depending. Is it knees?
0: First no, no, feet, no, or? so bottom half of the body, so up to the genitalia, yeah because yeah. it's it's also you know women and well and, and there have been non-binary people on there as well, yeah, which yeah. has been really interesting um and then the, they' have like six pods, so they eliminate one after the you yeah, know, yeah up to the waist yeah. I, I just and, can't remember and then the torso and then the face, mm. and then they have to hear them talk. And at that point, they're left with two. And then the person who's doing the choosing has to get naked and then pick the, the person who they're going to go on a date with. Mm. So
2: that's, I find all this really funny. I find, like, I haven't used Tinder and stuff in like five years. I recently installed it again. And even if you match with people, all my worry is, is what if that boy or girl has a voice that's like Helium or something. Yeah. Or Joe like, Pesci or something. It's Joe, like, Joe Pesci. Do you he, mean Joe Pasquale? No, Joe Pesci from like ca- uh, Casino. and oh, okay. Like, like Goodfellas and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. Joe Pesci from Home Alliance. Yeah, yeah, no, um, I know. Um, and he's like, yeah, how's it going? You, know, you, know, you, know, you, know. you want to put down the stick, of... Hey, kid, get out the road. Um, <laughs> what if a girl was like a, a 10 and then she has a voice like that? That's what I worry about. So I'm like, I just won't want to match with you. have got people. nice earplugs. Yeah, yeah, I know, I just can't now. Imagine having sex with Joe Pesci. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't want to. He'll like bury you. All I could think about is getting hit over the head of a spade and being buried in, in the cornfield afterwards because he didn't perform well enough. <laughs> we don't have any cornfields around here. Like, really. <laughs> just, yeah, so that's not So is that where
1: your performance anxiety stems from...
2: Yeah, I don't think I have performance anxiety. I just don't like going on stages. That's why I pay other people to do it for me. (laughs) If (laughs) you (laughs) pay. Don't remember being paid? Mm. Or you're a a
0: learner? I've never been paid for doing a stage dive here, and I've done a few stage dives here. You have done
2: a few stage dives. (laughs) Have you still got the video of me? I you should be (laughs) sued, not paid. (laughs) The amount of fucking damage I cause. Yeah. Yeah, you're almost putting a hole in the floor. It's like cause it's one day you're just going to jump off and it'll be like an act me shape of your body and you just disappear <laughs> peer through the floor into the basement. Yeah, I, turned, up, I ended up in a rock. milk
0: teeth video kind of stacking it because oh, yeah. I decided to do a tuck full, jump into the crowd.
1: they like the full school of rock where you, everyone just spread and you just hit the. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, 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 exactly, yeah.
0: And then the body probably drops a paint can on me from above or something
2: like yeah. that. I think and then
0: Joe Pesci kills me with a spade and buries me in a cornfield.
2: I think you're learning how to stage dive better. Yeah. You know, you should always... If you're a, a person... How tall are you? Six foot? Four. Six, Six foot, foot four. four. Yeah, so if you if you dive forwards and your knees hit someone, it's either they're going <coughs> to get hurt or you're going to bugger your knees. So you slowly learn to, like, turn in the air so you go on your back. Yeah. I think that's important that people... <laughs> The it's, it's a learning experience. It's a learning curve. Uh, stage diving yeah, if, yeah. if you're six foot or over, please yeah to your back. Yeah, for your own safety. You
0: should have for one of those load swimming load. pool
2: charts going. <laughs> yeah. No tuck. No tuck diving. No. No, but I've seen some horrible, horrible stage dives and crowd killing in this venue. Yeah, no It's you have. To be really clear, no one doesn't know what crowd killing is. You don't kill people in the venue. No. Um, Live executions. Well, they're basically like fights, but in a in a controlled manner. Yeah. Not like UFC, but it's um, <laughs> hard to describe it. It's like a fight that will only take place whilst the music's playing, and once it stops... Of, do you, do you reckon release, you could
0: yeah. do a charity MMA fight here? Do you reckon you could fit an octagon on the joiner stage? Oh, a very yeah, small happens, one, yeah. Like a really small one. If we were doing cockfighting, yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: like a small one. Like, cock. I, I mean, they're lethal. They scratch. Cock eyes versus out. cock, eh? <laughs> my uh, one of my my best friend's dads used to have illegal legal cock fighting cocks that were just scary. They were, they were only they were like three feet, but they could like they fly up obviously, and they go and like yeah, attack you with their claws.
1: Toby, why have you put sunglasses on, mate? In case there's. Like I said, I don't know how this stuff works, but if you pull out a I mean, I cock, pull-
0: and I of not have bit of it little bit of a little a little with me. I should say of I mean. instead of I'm. I'm not
2: of going to pull out a cock <laughs> yeah of a cock bit of a little bit of a little bit of now just have of idea of uh, there being cockfighting with penises so we would drill two holes in the bottom of the stage and then I'll build like, of sort of like, bungee so you can lay underneath the stage <laughs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> just stick your penis up through the bottom of the floor uh, this is there'll obscene be opti- there'll be an opti- and that's when we get the cock, and, out, and cock why, out and then it goes through and yes. why haven't you uh, planned this for Independent Venue Week? I um, haven't I mean we've got some uh, it doesn't sit well with the campaign uh, you know there, there's certain elements there's rules of Independent Venue Week as well there's, there's no cocks and there's no free entry so <laughs> uh, those are the two <laughs> those, <laughs> those are the two campaign. everything else is fine yeah everything else is fine no, uh, It's like The Purge. <laughs> exactly. No, Independent Venue Week is uh, it's really... Co- we were. There were 12 venues that started it, did it originally. I remember when Sybil first started it. And um, I don't think that people were really interested at first. Like, the venues weren't interested, I mean. Mm. So, obviously, we were just like... I was like, I'm 100% up for doing anything that puts small venues on a pedestal. Yeah. So, I think there were only about 12 of us. Maybe 14 venues in the first year. Because I think this is the fifth year maybe 4th or 5th year but uh, yeah the initiative it's kind of got bigger and bigger every year but I do wish that I know some bands come out of the woodwork and do odd shows but there are way more bands that should come back and do like, yeah. underplays just like one offs You um, so
0: you've So, how long has Independent Venue Week been going, or how long has the joiners been involved in Independent Venue Week? Since the very beginning. Okay, so Mm. it's what, in its seventh year now? I think it's only five. I think it's the
2: fifth year. Okay. Um, You'd have to look it up. I think it started in
0: 2013. So, what was the... So, you sort of got on it from the very start, and um, it's obviously, to people that don't know what Independent Venue Week is, it is a sort of seven day celebration of independent venues across the country yeah Uh, they do it in the states as well right but that's they just started that last year it's in May as Mm -hmm. opposed to January yeah Um, probably because you know I'm guessing the US circuit is not as affected by things like festivals as it is over here it's
2: such a huge you know market well and it's a huge country one state is the size of you know our entire country Yeah. so there's more people etc um but yeah, it's weird because they moved it this year to the end of January because of the payday. Right, okay. Before we had it in like mid January. Oh, yeah, then and it's like Blue Monday. Monday and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. it's a dry January. Post Christmas. So we, so, so we yeah. go, I think it's 20, January 27th to February 3rd. Um, But then we've got like, this is the kit playing here on the Sunday before it starts, but that's still included. That's like the independent independent venue
0: venue week week. sort of pre-launch party, isn't it? Yeah, which is cool. Because I've got, you know, uh, like I was looking through the the gigs that the joiners has lined up for this year. Mm. So obviously starting on the the Tuesday, the the 29th, I want to say. It's probably like the 27th. Yeah, I'm bad so, with... Oh, it's the Monday the
2: 26th, that's what it is. Monday the 26th, the official start. No, yeah, it's Monday
0: the 28th, I'm really sorry. Yeah, okay, so Tuesday 29th, I was right in the yeah, first okay. place. Fuck you, right. Ricky. <laughs> um, but uh, you've got Milk Teeth here. Milk Teeth have played here, God, I've seen Milk Teeth play here at least three or four times. Yeah. And yeah. then there's all the you know, times they played What the Fest and stuff. Mm. So obviously having them back you know, to kind of officially... Kind of open, obviously. Yeah, yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. Like, this is the kick kit start, yeah. to kind of like properly kickstart it in the mm-hmm. week is is huge, and you know I'm really looking forward to seeing them with um yeah. uh, with them yeah. on uh, guitars and vocals yeah. now. They, so. haven't,
2: they haven't actually played here since uh, that show we did in the summer with them and employed to serve, which was a year and a fucking
0: half ago. chaos. Yeah. I think
2: that's the hottest it's ever been. It was August. Yeah, yeah, it was so, so hot. Outside. It was so warm. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. It was a lot of stage dives. So was, it was a was really. Yeah, yeah, alright, I, I know. That's the one you stacked it at. Yeah, <laughs> I know that's the one. Mate, I've <laughs> stacked it
0: stage diving every time yeah, I've seen Milk Teeth here. Yeah raw like yeah slow motion, like oh God you haven't you've put like you've put it through my movie and yeah. you've put that Instagram for that
3: dee, 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 just like <laughs>
0: oh, so yeah and I land and it's one of those fucking explosions
2: yeah yeah um yeah, to what we so, <laughs> uh, uh, so that yeah that's like the first show I did try again to get like some massive bands but it's just whether the bands are motivated to do it even Milk Teeth I think I, I went to Anna and I was like well can, can we do this uh, I really wanted Boston Manor to do a show but again they're constantly on tour everywhere <laughs> uh, fuck those guys yeah. Yeah. friends of the podcast got no worries but it's uh, it's one of those things where you, we can send emails all day and night for weeks on end and then it's still we won't get any bites because the agents don't really want them to do it or that the agent right. represents a particular act has no interest in it which sucks because obviously the amount of work that goes into it from independent venue weeks and let let alone all the venues that are involved in it i just wish the agents would kind of talk to their acts at the end of the tour and season prior mm-hmm. yeah in like maybe you know november when everything's dying down the beginning of december and go right who wants to like be involved in this, in this initiative or the mm. management does and goes right Independent venue, we should really support some venues or towns where we started, yeah. places we grew up in. How how right. does it
0: work? Uh, not to you know pry too hard into sort of the financial elements, I mm. suppose. But how does it work in terms of uh, like the proceeds? Does it all go just straight back to the venues, or does it go no. to like a trust and then it's
2: distributed to the venues? No, what? no. Is it essentially like it's a stamp? Independent venues is like a stamp of. Awareness on the venues of those shows, right? So okay. we we the, things like Milk Tea if I wa- I'm, I wanted to make that an independent venue week show because I feel like their ethics and their style, whatever that. That works. as that something yeah, like? yeah? And then there's things like Shapes that were already touring anyway, but it just happened to fall in independent venue. Yeah,
0: Shapes are going to be here on the Friday. Yeah, you... yeah. And then you've got what a wicked yeah. Friday night that'll be. Yeah. With deathblims as well. Yes. Um, oh, no, them, but... I'm, yeah. I'm. I'm definitely got my eye on deathblims mm. and beers. So. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and and as well, you've got you've got Silent Rival who yes. are over that, That's actually moving. moving. That's the moving.
2: tour's moving, so that's that's not happening. Oh. So it's moving to April. Think oh okay i next week oh so. at least you get a nice Wednesday night off uh, when are we actually well, going to do a BBC introducing yeah we're gonna Toby oh
1: start. sweet so is this with like uh, local bands? yeah we we'll hmm. probably just throw some local bands out here we've got BBC introducing back in it they're really good for backing like local Southampton bands and then hopefully we just we don't like throw these things together because things always like the diary starts really busy and then throughout the month it just falls apart like get cancelled or moved yeah so that's when we find all our local shows and some local bands will do like if they can just bring like 20 30 people it still keeps the doors open and yeah you know, have the doors open then to have nothing going on yeah especially in like independent venue week where it's important to acknowledge that the venues exist and with like a local showcase in independent venue week there's only three or four pound a ticket there's no excuse not to no
3: hell
0: no
1: show up because the bands are good bands mm. just not Named big touring bands
0: Well I suppose You know The um, I suppose the Independent venue week Was also set up As like a way Of thanking the venues For You know The joiners Has such a Rich history Obviously turned 50 Last year And the Mm. You know the contemporary acts today that you know are, are in stadiums. Your yeah, Ed Sheerans, yeah, your Green Days. Obviously, they're not together anymore, but Oasis have played here and Coldplay. Yeah, yeah. And you, you've obviously you very proudly sort of display this on in in the bar. You know photos and old flyers from those nights and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. you know it's kind of like well that's that's what independent venue Week kind of champions the venues that kind of gave them that starting platform. I can kind of see that in one of the acts that you've got. Uh, uh, coming in on the Thursday of Independent Menu Week, Jerry Williams, who I think is just a huge. She's going to be a huge
2: fucking pop star in a couple of years' time. Yeah, hundred percent. She did. Um, she's she's a lovely human being. The band's really great people. The yeah. people that look after her. Um, I know that she's. I know she's just cut some deal in Germany with a label. She's out in the states doing stuff. So you can see like. Yeah, p- she's been on like tour with like balling, she's been it, on
0: yeah? tour with like Finn Wolfhard's band, hasn't yeah,
2: she? Yeah, yeah. Calpurna, so like Calpurna yeah. are friends with Swimmers, and then uh, like she went on tour with Swimmers. Yeah, and they're out here, so there's like that whole kind of called cool younger, all those younger musicians, and they all talk to each other, and they're all really good friends, and they suggest other bands to each mm. other and things, which is really cool. It has that like sense of community, which is really. Right to see, but she's really, really good. I mean that whole lineup's yes. ridiculous. Like World Front are supporting Yeah. Um Front do four hundred tickets in Southampton, so it's it's six quid.
0: It's a coup, isn't it? It's mad. Yeah. Like she's been doing it
2: for like four years now, so she's really
1: been
0: Yeah, I mean cracking. I um I used to do like student radio in Portsmouth yeah. and got her on for a couple of sessions and she's just yeah, she's gonna be she's the real deal. Mm. Um, and then on the weekend of Independent Venue Week, you've got the UK's only Devo tribute band. Yes. <laughs> um, has that been confirmed? They are the only one. I might. They set are. Up a...
2: they're the only. The, the only one that we're aware of, and they're the only one that Devo actually approve of. Oh really? Themselves.
0: Yeah. They're so called that's... We Are Not
2: Devo, which yeah. is
0: just like the best fucking Tell tribute band name ever. It's yes. very clever. I love the use of wordplay in it. Um, and then Black Midi on yep. the Sunday, and now Black Midi I was looking into today because um, they've been backed by the enemy mm-hmm. among other publications, but they don't actually have any social, social media. They don't but... have any social media presence. They don't have any tracks online. Mm-hmm. There's like one video that's sort of
2: doing the rounds at the moment. It's just, sound, is it just SoundCloud and Bandcamp. That's, yeah, direct, yeah. They put the stuff up directly, but they're very, again they're very young people. They're like yeah. younger kids, but. Um, they're just incredible live and they've just grown this reputation have they played here before this is the first time it's almost sold out as well oh wow Um, which is really cool but they've had obviously like six music played them and stuff so yeah it's more that they're proving that you can like be in a touring band and do tickets without like constantly being on instagram and twitter and Mm. and facebook and stuff it's 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 kind of taking it back to the old way that used to people used to discover music by actually going out and yeah. just seeing a band it's, and weird when.
1: now like bands can do it though like like bands who aren't maybe as good but they're really good at social media and they can just have that social media and have that image mm. and they use that to carry them further than music.
0: Re- realistically, how important is something like Independent Venue Week? Because I can definitely see why some people might be cynical of it mm. as like, a, you know, like how some people are very cynical of Record Store Day. I yeah. feel so like it's the live music equivalent of that where people are like, oh, well, it shouldn't just be a day dedicated to the record stores. You should really be supporting it throughout the year. You, you
2: I mean, they're totally right, like from that point of view. I, I don't think there's a need to be cynical about Record Store Day. I mean, Record Store Day, I do think there is because uh, it's... Uh, labels put stuff out to uh, like people make an insane amount of money mm. in, in, and they do it because they know they're going to hit quotas and stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, and they whack the price up on everything. And I think that's a bit like, and obviously there's also the, the choice, No eBay guys who go everywhere and like buy it just to purposely sell it for yeah. four times the amount. Well, it's pretty much uh, like touts, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah it's exactly, exactly
1: the same thing. It's the same. Anytime buying something like that is yeah. limited to sell for profit and not to enjoy it.
2: I, I think it's a good idea, though. It's yeah, a good like, idea in principle. It's just like there's always going to be knobs that, um, with Record all Day. With Independent Venue Week, I think, again, it's the same thing. You you shouldn't just go to a gig because there's a campaign about you supporting the venue. Yeah. You shouldn't just go in that one week. But it, it's good to turn people's heads because you've got to consider how fake busy everybody is all the time. Mm. Like, and this is like a term that's like a real... Thing the fake busyness of everybody like complaining about their lives on social media and how crap their lives are and then at the end of the year they're like you know living my best life here's my top moments of two thousand eight yeah. yeah whatever there's, there's this whole weird thing with with that when it applies to when people want to go out and support something you should just do it as a person like but everybody like independent venue is one of those things that people come out and they go oh I haven't been to join us in two years but I'm going to go out and support it this like one time and then you kind of ask a question in it like how yeah. I am on the, ba- on the band on the venue Twitter is that I try to slowly educate the general public in how the music industry works mm. without being a, a whistleblower and getting having to sit in a, you know a UN yeah. a Julian Assange um, a Ricky Leaks oh, yeah Ricky, Rick- oh, Ricky Leaks! Um, <laughs> that's
1: a like, fantastic if was QI. That would be like the flashing <laughs> word.
2: Yeah. Ricky I, I think that's what I'm saying. I think it's important that it exists so it turns normal people's heads. When mm. I say normal people, I mean people that are too busy because they've got their 9 to 5 lives or they've got kids or F- whatever Fair with
1: yeah. the music fans, you know? Mm. Yeah, we're, yeah. People don't get it. Like that guy at Fontaine's DC last week who was sold out and it's great for the venue and it helps make some money back. He was like, I can't believe the joint is open every night and it's struggling because that one show was sold out but then we've got like a ton of shows that don't sell out or that lose money and then that, that money yeah. has like that money just gets sucked back into the venue it's not like we're making a huge amount of money and people don't yeah. get that yeah. like, the
2: thing you know. is we can't we can't explain there's a certain element of professionalism where we can't be like oh this band's getting paid this much money plus they take eight percent of the door mm. which leaves the venue with twenty percent right but then we pay twenty percent in tax and ticketing, so we basically are left with just the bar yeah, um, yeah and and so 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 that's that's the issue that we can't explain that I mean I've explained it now, but I can't like start putting it all over social media mm. because you can't it just you doesn't it you costs it's money. not fair like you can't, yeah. it's it's professional it's Nobody, almost like, like
0: playing a bit of a pity card isn't yeah, it yeah, yeah. you almost, can't
2: be like oh we have to pay. like we choose to do it essentially we choose to do it and it, whether this venue stays open for another 50 years or if it closes in 5 years mm. that's as much as whether it's me or, or Toby booking at that point it doesn't yeah. matter it's down to the people engaging like, and if people choose not to engage it's their fault that these venues are closing I, I mean, I'm i not saying it's solely people's fault no. but there's other factors like noise abatements and um you know people wanting to buy the land to turn the, it into.
0: Yeah, I was looking at some stats earlier because it was, Um, I don't know if the joiners took part in this, the the UK's first live music census. Yeah, we've done. There's,
2: yeah. there's a giant interview with, that uh, I d- did for it. Oh, really? Yeah, if you, if, you, if you type my name in and put UK music census there's a massive interview. Oh, okay. Um, that was a yeah, good plug, I that in my, uh, Yeah. I was, pr- I was mean, pissed off that day clearly because I spoke to the woman who was running it for about an hour on the phone and I like, just went in on Certain elements in the music industry.
0: Well, they, they were saying that uh, in the census, it said that a third of the 200 venues that took part have experienced problems with rising rates, property developers, or both. Mm-hmm. So is that, I don't mean to pry into, you know, whether business is good or whatever, but is that something
2: that you've experienced uh, with the joiners? Yeah, yeah we've had. Um, property developers, not so much. There's been the conversations. of So essentially the guy who owns the land under here. So for years, I've said the building is listed, and then Mandy and Tim, who are the owners of the venue, said no, no, it's not, no, it's not. And then I spoke to somebody else, the council, uh, and then she reached out, and then at the end of last year, we found out that it actually is. Wow. So the front of the joiners to where the bar starts is a listed building. It's grade three listed, so they'll never be able to knock it down. I mean, they could turn the venue into something else, but the, the facade of the venue would have to stay the same. And the problem is with that property developers aren't going to want, a, a thing. who's going to want to move into a place that looks like a pub on the front mm-hmm. and they can't change the windows, they can't change the doors because there's all these rules of grade listed buildings where you can't change any yeah, structure yeah. or structurally you can't change it legally. Um, so until that come through there would have been issues because we've always had this, like the, this venue costs like four to four and a half thousand pounds a month to run, a running cost before you sell a single ticket. Right, right. So that's just to before you pay a staff member as well. Yeah. I'm just talking about the rates, the business yeah, rates, yeah. the rent rates, the the power, uh, the obviously the PA and the lights and yeah. you know just everything that for the building to function is like four and a half grand. Wow. Before we buy beer, do whatever. Yeah. It's so expensive. It's way over the rateable value of the business, um, which is really really annoying. And all this stuff. Really boring that people don't really know about. No, I, it, should be, um, it should be. It should be at least around the three grand. It should be around three grand. I'm gonna interject right. because obviously, like we've hung out loads. Me being here
0: and you know, mm. often getting drunk, often having a cup of tea at a show because yeah. I've been ill. coming here we,
1: Why don't we come to hang out with you?
0: Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. Come by. I mean, it does mean coming For to Portsmouth. Yeah. Although I'm working behind the bar at a like a nice Belgian bar at the moment, so come drink some strong Belgian beers. Mm. Um, but um, you know, obviously, Toby, you've been sort of uh, working behind the scenes here for the last couple of years now. Yeah, about two years. Now. About two yeah. years. Ricky, how long have how long have you
2: been here now? Um, I've looked after it. I did shows here before I was like looking after it. I right, Never okay. meant to come in and look after it. So basically, in November two thousand twelve. The venue was like close to 70 grand in debt. Right. And they were like, well, we need to clear this in three months or we're going to close down. And I was like, oh, good. And at this point, I was just doing my own shows and working as a game supervisor at HMV. Oh, wow. So I was doing like eight hours there, finishing at six, going to do a show, staying up all night, going back to work at nine in the morning and doing it over and over and over. Not doing shows every day, maybe two or three shows a week. Um... And then my shows here were doing really well, like Polar Bear Club and Warhammer Scream and the Flatliners and stuff. Yeah. And so the. What, roughly what year was this? 2012. Oh, sick. Oh, before, the, before these other shows were between 2008 and 2012. Right, okay. Um, so they like the earlier What the Fest and stuff. That mm. one, the, the first one was like 2008, or 2009. Yeah. Um, the, the, I don't have any photos for the first one. So I have it tattooed on my leg. Cause oh, really? The original, the original Octo Eye. Okay. So that's the original. Um, I mean,
0: this is great for a non-visual medium. Yeah. But um, that's man, the that's Ace. Octo-Eye.
2: But then that became obviously with other stuff, and so we did two, three. Uh, these are the older ones. But um, to to it's give always, context, we always had the Octopus in it. Somewhere yeah. Apart to, from
0: that one. to kind of give context, <laughs> we're in your office, and it's kind of covered in posters from previous. Something I did want to talk about was was what the fest, which has kind of become. Um, you know, a bit of an institution in the in the Southampton music scene. If yeah. Don't yeah, mind me asking, because you know it was weird. I I know did you you also as part of being a promoter, you did a lot of house shows to start yeah. with as well. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of came into the scene when it was kind of in a state of flux, and I feel like I kind of missed out on the bulk of of house shows because I was coming in at like the tail end of 2015. I mm. think was the first house
2: show I ever went to it was one of Kate's house shows. Yeah. So that was like after we stop doing that yeah I think the first house shows we did were because I dug out the photos so it was like our time down here which is like obviously Will's old band the Don Ramon's players human the Four for fingers all that sort of stuff wow just do it I think that was 2007 maybe Mm. uh 2007 early 2008 but I was just a student so I was second year student yeah um or third year student actually I was third year student
0: what what's kind of um, been really cool to see is that even though the house show scene here has kind of petered out mm. I mean everyone I know that used to do house shows is you know either no longer doing house shows or yeah yeah, they, 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 they've sort of you know they've moved to a different city or a different country even so um, you know and that's totally cool for them because you know they're doing awesome things elsewhere but one thing that I've kind of noticed as is, is being a constant is the, is the sort of support that's given to, to the joiners. Yeah. Um, uh, was it, no sorry, I'm still stuck in 2018, obviously 2017, mm. when there were the essential repairs
2: needed. To remind me what they were, that it was... So this roof, there's, because this building is from 1810, mm. right, hence why it's listed, and it survived the blitz in Southampton. Wow. So that's one of the last remaining buildings. That's yeah. Like blitz as well. Um, the roof, obviously, the building is like this, so it's pointing, it's very pointy, like an old chip ch- some Water builds up all over the bloody place. Yeah. So that the water leaks um, through when it still bloody does it. Now we have to be really careful with it because there's like a filter that we got put in, but it leaks through into the live room on the floor. Like, uh, Toby's come in before and he's had okay. to like mop for two hours. The, the whole, whole venue road,
0: was
1: just, like,
0: like, flooded. Was it, like, Waterworld? Yeah, well yeah.
1: Like, I literally came in, and I had no... Like, <coughs> Fuck sake. Not again.
0: Turn the joiners into rapids, like,
1: Central Park's s- rapids. And i set list on the wall, and I came in one day. This, and is, this, this is a water
2: damage here. So when it rains really heavily, the water oh, just, like, sure. drips through here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we can't do anything about it, because it's down. a building so old. But, um, it's... It is what it is, but it that was um, that was one thing I didn't want to do because I was like we don't do that as designers, we don't ask or beg people for money Mm. because it just doesn't sit with me ethically very well because I see other pubs and places in Southampton that just make bullshit up and do a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter or whatever and I know that I can see through their bullshit basically they just you know so I don't want to I didn't want for it to become that so in the end we got uh, obviously we raised I think it was in just over a week we'd done like nine grand and I didn't really get anyone involved like we could have got like so many musicians that we're close with to do little videos and things to like make more money. But we wanted five grand, we got to nine grand. The only reason it went up a bit is because I found out that GoFundMe take like the VAT off you. So right. immediately you'll lose 20%. Then you have to pay a rate and a rent to the co- to the service. Mm. So they take a percentage. So you actually only end up with like, you know, 75% of what you actually get donated. Wow. Which is really annoying. But that's all new to us because we've never done it. Yeah, so yeah. So yeah. I had to read through all the terms and conditions and have arguments with them on All email the legalities and yeah, yeah. the small print. And the, all um, those companies—they're not most of them—they're not. They money. make so much money. It's they're so they're there to people make, people make money for themselves, <laughs> right. so they
1: just you know rip people up. Looking at the
0: you know the support that was given to you, uh, you know, that, I mean I've got my midnight kids T-shirt on from when Creeper did the sort of. St- so-called secret All Hallows Eve yeah, show yeah, yeah. Um, which totally made up for the fact that I had to sell my uh, actual Halloween ticket uh, the show they did with Hindsights and oh, yeah. Boston Manor and Ghost Cub mm. three years ago now Yeah, yeah. Um, totally made up because I was like I'm never seeing Creeper at the joiners I'm just going to come to terms with that and then they did the, the Midnight Kids show um, and obviously I bought this and it was like 20 quid t-shirt mm. and all proceeds go to he went to the venue he yeah. went to the venue which is you know obviously creeper uh, you we've mentioned will on this podcast several times mm. um but i suppose the I suppose what i want to say is you know where music scenes can be so transient it seems like the support for the joiners has always been so constant and would you say that's kind of a a real driving force that kind of keeps you doing what you're doing on a daily basis
2: yeah it's it's reflective of the way the venue should be run and how it wasn't run before Mm. like like how how it almost shut down fully in 2012 like the guy the guy that was owning it and it wasn't being looked after properly basically yeah um this I mean. was before I came to the joint. I didn't come to the joiners until 2013
0: yes. My first show was that story so far show okay. With the security stage dive Yes it's yeah. fucking brilliant yeah. um, I did too and it was a better stage dive Than the milk teeth one
2: <laughs> um, But it was that, that was a ridiculous time But the, no, <laughs> to answer your question That was um, And it always has been about community I think that's what it boils back to Is, that the, is the whole give and take of yeah. the joiners Right and we'll pay it forward because obviously we don't do shows here we do shows all the way up to it, it, guilt all if we want to but not really so we kind of keep it around engine rooms level like 800 cap but if we can get some local bands on these bigger bills which yeah. sometimes we can we will pay it forward and we will put them in front of them sold out big crowds yeah and give them these opportunities you know we, we will do it we'll fight the local bands corner to the end because there's no growth within a local scene without them being put in front of new faces right yeah Uh, and in a lot of places that's died off completely but i think because of you know bands like creeper and if you added up every member of creeper that's from southampton collectively they've definitely all been played in over 20 bands yeah since they started writing music so dan sean ian and will have all been in 20 bands collectively that have played in this venue so that's like that's a massive deal. Like since they were like thirteen to to now, mm. you know. It's and that's one of those things where this is like a home for them, and it's without it they wouldn't have any music career, and mm-hmm. they understand that. And I understand without bands like that um, and bands like Band of Skulls who came back last year and did their yeah. first full comeback show for us for our, one of our birthday shows, like they understand that they grew up here. They came to shows here. Mm. You know, even the, the, the vaccine show, which was one of, like Justin came here, grew up here, smashed a toilet, got banned from here, got that back in. It's, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things. Like they're, they're it's getting, not hard it's to like, smash a toilet here. To be yeah, you've totally seen them? Yeah. It, um, <laughs> he was in the Eldora Parade and JJ Pistolet and there's like all these bands that he was in prior to him becoming this <coughs> man of this. Mm. massive band now which do like you know, an O2 arena sized venue but that would have never happened had he not had that experience playing in the so I think that when they people do come back and they do love the venue because it means so much it's, it's a stepping stone isn't it and it's yeah. it's more it, it, but it's, it's like a, they come here and they feel comfortable you know It's and that's why the support is, is so big Is because we're just like a massive family we don't we don't put I don't certainly put a line between me as a person that runs it day to day and a guy who comes in here three times a week. Right. I don't see him as like a punter or somebody yeah. take, he, they're like friends who come in here and we talk to them, we'll have a drink with them, you know, and we'll hang out and they're like, How's it going? You generally have you have a relationship with these people. It's not a solely like faceless business, yeah. you know, it's not like an O2 venue where it's like, give us all your money we're gonna rip off a beer, get in, get the fuck out as soon as the last song's. Yes, yeah. like, We've got a disco like, loadout to do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not that. There's like if, if they can't get in for shows like on Monday at Fontaine's, we'll, we'll hook up like five of our locals with guest lists to mm. get them in, like, stuff like that. It's like oh, other places, other venues won't do that because we, I certainly care about that and the ethos of the venue is that, is that yeah. look after our own and that we see every person that comes here and buys a ticket as our own. Like, if people say stupid shit or on stage or if there's any trouble in the crowd, like, we will always fix it. There won't be anyone being put in a Peruvian necktie and thrown down some stairs and, you know, I oh, secure... We don't, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> 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 I just need to go and check downstairs
1: Yeah, really if, you, if you
0: want to go print out your... Get your P45. Yeah. I didn't sign up for this shit. Well, you know, to, I, pirate, ge- right? I, I guess to, to kind of bring a final point to, to this, because... Um, I need to go off now and record the pilot episode of the Bitchin Review. Stream now. Um, ah,
1: you could have the new Geno single to review. As the
0: yeah, why not? <laughs> so I was going to say, you know, bringing it back to that support for for local and upcoming bands. Obviously, Toby, you've experienced this firsthand. Yeah. You you were playing bass in Scarecrow Boat. Um, yeah, rest in peace. <laughs> that, although they live on through the theme tune of Bitchin Brew podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> And uh, and now you're in the band Juno, who yeah. who, who have played here on you know played local support slots. for yeah. uh, you know, for the last few well, months. Like, it's so
1: difficult to find in some places. Like I grew up in Reading. Yeah. And in Reading, I can't find this any big touring support slots. But from here, from when I started playing in bands, I played a few small shows, and then we were bringing people to shows. And then I've played. I've managed to play the Midnight Kids show. Played with Mallory Knox, You played with these huge bands. You don't get those opportunities very often. And yeah, many most places just won't even bother allowing you to do that. And there's, mm-hmm. there's no reason I deserve it over anyone else. But I've been lucky enough to get those opportunities. Other bands are lucky enough to play play these shows. It's like uh, the Sherlock's played the Eight Sixty Five. We had two local bands supporting them with, in front of five hundred people. How yeah. often? does a local band get to play in front of 500 people yeah Which no we
0: do rarely see it. yeah never like
1: I don't, I don't think I've ever seen another show in another city apart from that Sherlock's tour where they've had local bands at that level mm. and it was so cool that venues like this care about the local bands enough to not only put them in front of the audiences but to try and support them and help them grow it. to the point where they can go and play and sell out the venue and like bands come through here who don't sell any tickets and they start and then they over a few years, build up a Southampton fan base, and they sell it in. Like, Callum Lintock's been playing here for years, and last week he sold out the venue for the first time. Yeah. But that's not because he's just got lucky. He's been working at it for years, just to get, like, another show, another show, maybe one more fan here, one more fan there. But if they're coming back to see him, that's awesome. And, you
0: know, eventually he'll be in a position, someone like Sean McGowan, yeah, you know, obviously sold out the 1865. Mm You know, just absolutely killing it. Although it pains me to praise him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, that's the whole point with, with that, is to grow the bands. And we have a very different business model at the venue that I changed. I was like, well, this venue is going to be totally fucked in about 2014, 2015. I was like, we're just going to be, you're not going to be able to stay open because it's so expensive to run. Mm-hmm. So I was like, so we need to start growing these bands and us keeping the shows. So then we started taking three hundred tickets at Talking Heads, five hundred tickets at Eight Sixty Five, eight hundred tickets at you know, and any profit that's made on those shows gets reinvested back in here yeah. to then grow the next generation of local bands to the next Sean McGowan, the next Blah, like whoever, because you have to sustain the, the starting point otherwise there won't even be a music yeah. scene, you know. So that that's one thing we do do as a venue, and we have the ability to do, and I think that's what other independent venues. Should do is just kind of put their foot down and say, right, if a band sells out our 200-cap venue or 250-cap, whatever, we want to then do their next show at 500. Yeah. Right. But it's keeping the relationship with the band and the agent and the management being like and showing them that you have the logistics and the confidence and know-how to do these bigger mm-hmm. gigs, and and then you can then make money to help your venue stay afloat. Um, but you just have to have to have the mindset to. To, and the confidence to be like look we, we know what we're doing it actually gets easier to do these shows as it, they get bigger because there's more money to pay more crew more lovers, mm. more techs there's more money but it's actually more of a struggle at this level because there's three of us doing five people's jobs and yeah. running around like constantly so yeah I, I think that's the difference with our venue and I'm not saying no other venue does it but
1: it's all about punching above your weight.
2: Yes, yeah, so like punching above your weight, but also proving to the industry that we don't really need national promoters to come in. Like, I know they've got a lot of money, and that's fine, and that's a safety net. That The worry is is that independent venues, independent promoters don't have the cash flow or the money to do these bigger shows. Yeah. But if the tickets are there, why don't you? I mean, you do. Like, if we can sell 550 tickets for Sean, what, what's the issue? We have that ticket money, mm-hmm. he's going to get paid. If we can do eight hundred tickets for the story so far, we can do eight hundred tickets for the DMAs. The tickets are there. The band's going to get paid. And so I don't see what the problem is. And it's also easier for us to promote bigger bands that are already more statured, mm-hmm. right? But we've grown with them. Like any bands, like the DMAs, we put them on here for a hundred pounds at first show, and there's f- thirty-five people here, right? Yeah. And then two years later, we're doing eight hundred tickets at fifteen pounds a ticket.
0: At the engine rooms, yeah. Right? Yeah,
2: so then it's like, but we, we've we grown with that band and the mm. band want to work with us because we believed in them in the first place. And I think management and agents of these bands should give the venues more opportunity to mm. be able to represent the artist in their town because they were there for them in the first place. I guess it's awesome
0: um, to work with the DMAs as well because, you know, you love
2: the way they say your name. <laughs> yeah. Australia. Ricky Bites. Ricky Bites, how's it going? <laughs> um... But yeah, I think that would be one solution to a lot of stuff, but it's, it's just putting it in place. Yeah. It in place, and, and the joiners definitely wouldn't be here if we didn't switch it out to do that. And obviously we wouldn't be doing Creepers show, at the Guild tour and stuff like that, mm. if the band weren't adamant that they want to do it with us. And we can, things like, we get told all the time that tour managers say to us that we look after bands better at that level. Than national companies do who have yeah. hundreds of pounds at their disposal because we know what we're doing because we've got a relationship with them. It's not just the right. job either. Like. It's not just the job. We're not sending rep who doesn't care who just wants to get paid and he leaves halfway through the headline set. We yeah. stay till like after loadout. We help do everything. Mm. We'll help people with every single element of the show from eight in the morning till two in the morning. We'll be there the entire time. You'll
0: deliver the pallet of red stripe cans by hand yes. to the dressing exactly. room. Exactly. We do, and you'll yeah. maybe shotgun
2: one in the process. <laughs> No, uh, no. <laughs> a half We're full professors.
1: crate. <laughs> it was definitely half full when we left the venue. We thought
2: about places to go out afterwards. They need somewhere to stay. They need whatever. a yeah. uh, Hook up. They need to get their guitars fixed. We go to the Ren Dog in his basement. Like when Basement played down here the other day, uh, Matt Reynolds has a guitar, his own guitar business in his basement of his bathroom. Weirdly enough, you lift the floor up and you go under there. Wow. And I took Alex and and the guys there to. Kind of the uh, problem with part of the guitars, the innards of the guitars. I don't fucking know. No, <laughs> uh, uh, the, it was it was a pickup problem. The left falangee, yeah, and uh, the, the wangler. <laughs> 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 it, he, he went and fixed it and stuff, and it, it's cool. Like having all of that, it, it's almost like we know every single element of how a show works from the top to the bottom. So just just let us do it. Mm. Um, I'm sure. It, if other like national companies that come in, they send a faceless guy, sure he knows how to order a rider the same as anyone else does and get someone to sign a bit of paper for some money. Yeah. But if, if you have a real issue where you're like, oh, this person needs to go to this, oh, I need to, to send some money. Like, how can, I, how can I send some money to this person in this country? How can I get my guitar fixed? Oh, we need to get some sticks from this person. Is it possible to do? There's like all these things that they wouldn't be able to sort out. And I know I've seen it myself um, where the bands get mad. But that's why I feel like you should let the people who know how to look after you the most and who mm. give a shit as yeah. an individual well, like, to the, do it and it's not bands. they're not just being paid too much money to do it at a job. Like, for the touring bands they're going like for, like half their year they're
1: waking up in a different city every night with different yeah. people and having someone there who actually cares about how they feel is so different. Yeah, to... that's the whole mental health stigma yeah. as well. Yeah.
2: Like if you have someone who just like sits in that office hides away all day and is just like sending emails and whatever not actually engaging with the band and it's mm-hmm. like they're just in another city like nobody's talking to them they sound just it's this autonomous kind of lifestyle yeah like with us we have relationships with the artists, and, and that helps our mental health as much as it does theirs that they're having this break of conversation because they're stuck around the same people in a bus or a van yeah for hours on end it's nice that, to see know. a new
0: face or, yeah. or, or or an old friend you know exactly that's what thinking. it is it's yeah.
2: old friends they get excited about going to certain towns and hanging out with their mates and then they're playing a rock show that's awesome that night and they know they're going to have fun and they know they're going to be looked after. Mm. Like a lot of bands obviously suffer from anxiety anxiety and depression so they have problems on tour and they they struggle with it but if they know they're going to be looked after that dumbs that down so much as opposed to them walking in and being a total stranger that they don't know. but that's another element mm. of it. That's another podcast. It's, it's
0: it's all fun until some lanky six foot four swat stamps on all their pedals. Yeah. And stage dives <laughs> and crushes. and crushes it. their real seven skull yeah. who's only fourteen. Who's? For fuck's sake! God damn it! Damn. She all she
1: was trying to do was Snapchat the band, and now she's got a the <laughs> phone. Mark, I'm kick that guy. but At least he's not crushed seven people at the door. <laughs>
0: Alrighty then, that was, uh, I feel like I say alrighty then at the end of every every single chat, but um, it, well, it was very much alrighty, um, it was more than alrighty, that was a great chat, I really really uh, appreciate uh, Ricky Bates and Toby Robinson for giving up uh, a little bit there uh, Friday evening a couple of weeks ago uh, to have that wonderful chat with me, again sorry lads that I couldn't get this uh, get this out on time for independent venue week um if you managed to get along to a show during independent venue week at the joiners then good on you and uh if you didn't then that's okay you know because the joiners is open all year round they've got some fucking amazing gigs coming up i'm really really excited for some of the stuff they've got coming up so go to joinerslive.co.uk to go and book tickets uh for shows they're pretty much open i think seven nights a week at this point um they've definitely got you know at least five or six gigs going on a week which is just incredible for an independent venue in the uk at the moment but wherever you're listening right now if you can't get down to the joiners uh if you're listening you know on a, a, the other end of the country or even overseas just get down to your local ind- independent venue and just go and show your support show your love not only for the venue but the for the bands that are taking the time to uh, you know, to perform for you that evening and, and the staff who are facilitating that. Just go and support the independent venues because if you don't, you're going to end up regretting it when they all start closing down, Uh, which they already have done let's uh let's try and reverse this trend shall we um that is uh the end of bitch and brew episode number 35 thank you very much for uh tuning in um like i always say at the end of every episode if you like what you've heard please uh subscribe to bitch and brew on apple podcasts or soundcloud or spotify or acast or whatever platform you're listening on um maybe even if you're listening on apple podcast give us a positive review because it really helps push uh bitch and brew up in the old iTunes algorithms, which are really unforgiving for independent podcasts. So your kind words, if you have liked this episode, are really, really vital to the sort of the exposure of bitch and brew, as it were. Um, if you're not on Apple Podcasts or you don't want to leave a positive review, maybe just uh, tweet a link to this episode, uh, share it with all your friends, go and send it in a message to someone. If you've got a friend who is interested in getting into the world of gig promoting or into live music in general, then they may find some Really cool little tidbits of uh, information and advice uh, within this episode buried deep amongst all the chit-chat about weird m- movies about million-dollar ducks and and snacks and um, sucking tea through uh, bars of Rocky. Um, the biscuit, not the drug, as we clarified. Um, Thank you, yeah, so much again uh, to Ricky and Toby for that one. That was a wicked chat. Um, I will be back next week, in fact. We're going to put out episode one of the Bitchin' Review. Now, I've not actually recorded this yet. Um, We're going to be recording it next week, and then I'll be putting it out the week it's actually recorded. I'm going to be a little more disciplined next time because we're going to be talking, uh, myself and my Bitchin' Review co-host Brad Thorne, about the biggest and... Arguably best uh review uh releases, sorry, from January. So uh we're going to be talking about some of the really big alternative releases, so Bring Me the Horizon and uh the Fever 333 or Fever 333 as I should refer to them. The big surprise covers album from Weezer, the Teal album. Uh we're also going to be talking about the debut EP from AA A. Williams, we're going to be talking about the new album from Pedro the Lion. Uh um, Um, The re-release of the debut album from Press Club. Uh, What else, God, what else are we going to be talking about? Oh, The Twilight Sad. Yes, I'm really looking forward to talking about that one. And there's one other which I cannot think of for the life of me right now. Oh, of course it is. Puppy. Yes, we're going to be talking about the debut Puppy album, The Goat. Um, Silly me, as I mentioned that in the intro. Um, But yeah, so Bitchin' Brew... uh, Sorry, Bitchin' Review... God, I'm all over the place. I'm buzzing off of uh, buzzing off of caffeine today. Uh, but the in Review episode uh, number one, which will technically be episode number two, will be out next week on this very platform that you're listening on right now. So make sure you are subscribed to hear that first. And uh, until then, I will see you on down the road. Take care now. Ta-ta.